The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and thanks for joining me today. I'm excited about our conversation. We're going to be talking about global leadership, and part of the series that I've been doing uh, over the last couple of weeks is really talking about the new world of work and what are some of the dynamics that are changing uh, that we really need to be thinking about and addressing, partly because the workplace as we know it today has been constructed for the 1950s for the technological, for the industrial era, for a workplace where people were not necessarily as educated as they are today, where the belief was that people needed to be more controlled, an extension of the man and the machine, etc. And those beliefs, while they were appropriate then, perhaps, are not really appropriate for the kind of work that we see in the future. For example... We are much more globalized than we've ever, ever been before. I think the migrant crisis that's going on in Europe at the moment is a perfect example of of that. People are moving around the world. Uh, obviously, their movements are are, um, are 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 challenging, but are moving around the world at breakneck speed. Technology is moving information around the world at breakneck speed. It's changing people's lives incredibly. The Generation Z that will be our new employees within the next three to five years have never known anything but technology and living on technology since they were two and three. Many of the icons of the past don't mean anything to them. So what are some of the things that are changing in this world that cause us to have to rethink how do we build capacity, how do we build sustainability. So this led us to a question. How does one lead in a global world? So I have with me today uh, my co-author, Nazneen Razi. Nazneen is the head of human resources for Health Care Services Corporation, who leads uh, major healthcare insurers from around uh, the United States. Prior to that, she was the head of human resources, chief, chief human resource officer for uh, Jones Lang LaSalle, a global real estate company. She and I received our PhDs together at Benedictine University, and Nazneen has a long history of uh, being a global leader, having, having hailed from India at an early age and experiencing global relationships for a long time. So I asked Nazneen to join so we could talk about our book and what caused us to write this book, Winning with Transglobal Leadership. Many people ask me, and I'm sure they ask Nazneen, some of these traits are not new. Some of these traits are things that we've talked about in the past. But why is it that we need to be rethinking our constructs of what it takes to lead in this next century. So welcome, Nazneen. I'm so happy you could join this call. Thank you, Linda. Glad to be here. I really appreciate you being on the show. And I know it was tough with your crazy schedule to carve out the time. Happy to do it. You know, when I think back on the beginnings of our deciding to write the book, um, you were the primary impetus between 
for us, uh, myself, you, Peter Barge, and Rob Cook, for really doing the research on what it takes to lead in this global world. Why was that research so important to you? Well, Linda, at the time, I was in a global HR role, as you mentioned, with Jones Lang LaSalle, and it was a company that was growing very rapidly. We operated out of 60 countries. I traveled over 50% of the time, and the velocity of business growth and change and the complexities of leading in a multicultural global environment were very profound. We had a tough time finding successful multicultural leaders, and we found that the cost of leadership mistakes was relentlessly high. So I started, you know, I developed a competency-based assessment tool that worked sporadically. We were trying to find a, a very simple construct uh, that would work for us. And so as I started to move around this, within the CHRO group, the challenges that I faced were very much the same challenges that other CHRO's chief HR officers were facing uh, in the global environment. So a couple of my colleagues, including yourself, talked about it, and we decided to conduct a study of successful leaders to find out what made this exclusive group of individuals unique and successful. It was important to me in my role. I thought it would be something that would benefit a vast majority of people in my um, in my position as well as leaders across the world. You know, it's very interesting because when we did the research, we saw of tons of competency models out there that you know were suspect in a lot of ways and uh, covered a lot of different aspects of leadership and. I think one of the things that we wanted to do when we did this research is really understand what cut, what really drove business success. So I think what's interesting about our model, the uh, trans-global leader model, which, which we ultimately came to call it, was that it's really linked to business outcomes. And I think that was one of the things that made our research significantly different from what we've seen from others. What are your thoughts on that? No, I completely agree with you. I found that the leadership constructs were clunky. They didn't really work, as you say. Uh, They were not well adapted to the global leadership arena that we were working in. And I didn't find any that um, had been proven to yield positive results consistently. And I found there was a real need for a crisp and simple model that focused purely on the global elements. You know, that Sandy Og, um, you probably know Sandy. She yes, was a former I do. Chief, right. She was a former chief HR officer at Unilever and uh, is now he at was, Blackstone. He was, and uh, now he's at Blackstone, right. Exactly. You know, uh, you know him. He, yeah. There was a comment that was made that there were too many competencies out there describing leadership. No one can possess all of these competencies. We need a very simple model that makes sense for everyone. We put that in our book, if you remember. And I find that to be really true. You know what I found interesting? Using this this model now, I've used it, and and so have you, with a number of Fortune uh, 10, Fortune 50 companies. And it's so interesting as you walk people through an assessment of their organizational culture and then a discussion of these dimensions, and you begin to see the interconnection between what leaders do that drive a constructive culture and a constructive business environment. And I think that's, that's kind of a key to some of our research, don't you think? I would completely agree with you on that. Yeah, so let's, let's share with our, our, our listeners, um, you know, what did we do? What, we, we went out and we did a huge literature search, and then we went and um, scrubbed about 150 leaders from around the world from top companies. And then we interviewed them, right? That's right. And uh, then we, we did... Thought, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, we did a survey of them, and then we reconstructed the survey. But I think the piece that really makes our research significant is the fact that we have peer and uh, uh, subordinate and colleague data. 
to verify and clarify what these people really did and in, in, in that, that made them really successful. Yeah, we started, if you recall, Linda, we started down a path of saying there were um, various forms of intelligence that have an influence on human behavior. There were six facets right. of leadership, and we studied those extensively, like IQ, EQ, um, cultural quotient, global quotient, moral quotient, and then we found once we had implemented our survey, we found that there were the, these facets were foundational, but when we collected the data from the successful leaders and compared the data against thousands of other leaders, we found that there were really five attributes or behavioral dimensions that differentiated our leaders from the rest, and that's what was the construct of our book. There were five right. simple competencies that define what we believe to be a successful global or even change leader. I am starting to believe that it's not just global leader, it's any change leader in today's environment. Um, so that's, that was kind of the premise of our study and the outcome that we achieved. Yeah, and, and from that work, we were able to really develop what I think is a pretty cool uh, assessment tool that's simple, um, that many companies are using to assess whether leaders are really significant, are, not significant, but are appropriate for a global role. Because another thing we got into, Nazneen, was that there are people that are really great in local roles, but just because you have a great local leader does not mean that they're necessarily going to be a great global leader. I would completely agree with you. In fact, our book addresses that as well and differentiates the local leader from the trans-global leader in many different ways and against these five dimensions. Yeah, and let's talk about the five dimensions. Uh, you know, let's talk about them. You know, perspective on uncertainty resilience. Uh, sure, that was one of the ones uh, where we felt that the trans-global leaders really have to respond to subtle expressions of disagreement, they have to nurture teams, they have to be really resilient, they have to seek out members with diverse perspectives, they have to be um, resilient to uncertainties. And in this world, you and I both know, we're dealing with uncertainty day in and day out. Everything we do, you know, we cannot predict the future anymore. That right. was one, of the, one it, of the dimensions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the other one is team connectivity, and that's that's uh, interesting. It's you know a lot of people say about team connectivity, oh, great team builder, but this is people who can integrate across boundaries, who can integrate business innovation, uh, drive successful teams around the world, who may not necessarily uh, directly uh, report to them. And then we found that other one, that pragmatic flexibility. You want to talk a little bit about that one, Nesneen? Sure. You know, um, I found that to be really um, not only applicable in a global environment, but in any environment, because this is where we expect leaders who are uh, strong leaders in today's world are very comfortable adjusting their style when they're negotiating with others, when they're dealing with people. They challenge their personal biases and beliefs all the time. They balance the need for global consistency versus the local norms. They're the ones who uh, can straddle multiple arenas and are very flexible. Yeah. And then we had, uh, we're, we're, we're going to break now, but uh, stay with us. I'm talking to Nazneen Razi. We're going to be going through the five dimensions. We've just covered three, uncertainty, resilience, team connectivity, pragmatic flexibility. There's two more that we find are essential, and we're going to be talking about how they play out in the business world. Stay with us. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. 
Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and with me today is Nazneen Razi, a senior chief human resource officer with depths and years of experience in, in driving wonderful organizations and co-author with me of Winning with Transglobal Leadership along with Peter Barge and Robert Cook, actually an award-winning book on what it takes to really lead in the global arena. We were talking about the five behavioral dimensions that we discovered that are really what I like to call the secret sauce of what makes a global leader. We'll talk a little bit more about that as well, but the, the first three that we were talking about is uncertainty, resilience, the ability to deal with complexity and differences, team connectivity, integrating across boundaries, pragmatic flexibility, ad- adapting to other cultures and biases, constantly adjusting um, your, your, your thinking to the needs of how the work gets done. And then we had, Nazneen, perceptive responsiveness. I think this is a great one. Can you talk a little bit about that one? Sure. Um, so as we were saying, perceptive responsiveness to me is also equally important in that the leader emphasizes the individuality of others and focuses on uh, the individual instead of the self. This is one where... Um, decisions are made as if the customer base could change in the future. And so this is the individual who responds to the changing um, face or changing landscape. Yeah, and that's very important. That's kind of the the emotional intelligence uh, of the leader. They're really able to tap into uh, people's needs and, you know, how people are feeling and just don't assume that just because they said something people are marching forward. I think we gave a couple of great examples in the book where leaders would fly into one particular company and they'd uh, country and they'd they'd leave marching orders and then and then fly back and didn't understand why things weren't carried out. And um largely it was because people just didn't understand the context in which they were they were uh sharing what it is that they needed to get done and they weren't emotionally intelligent enough to pick up that it wasn't that people were resistant, it's that they didn't understand how to apply those rules or, or tools to their particular environment. It was sort of fascinating. You tell a great story about India where somebody came into India to build a, a plant. Could you tell that to the audience? Sure. Um, this is where um, someone who uh, had a very different cultural way of communicating and people uh, didn't recognize that when the individual was actually, they, the person came in on a project and would accept the leadership's mandate. And when the person left the, the, the room, the leaders in the room felt that they had complete buy-in. And on the other hand, when you're in an Indian culture, you tend to respect the um, group, and so they, the individual was really not all committed. They had a lot of work to do, but 
the people did not really recognize the Indian cultural nuances, and so there was a lot of disconnect. And eventually, when they figured this out, that in India, people do a lot more soul-searching before they will make the commitment. And so understanding the cultural nuances is really important, and this perceptive responsiveness is exactly that, acting on intuition and fact and understanding not just what the behaviors the person is exhibiting, but also understanding the depth of what the individual is really uh, experiencing before they commit. Yeah, yeah, it's a very important factor. And uh, the the, the final one we had was talent orientation, and this is uh, achieving through people. And uh, this is where trans-global leaders are really personally engaged in talent development, they don't. They are exclusively uh, people that pay attention to succession planning, to their own staff development, to people who will take over their role, uh, so that they can move on to other places. They are all about their people. And as I think about transglobal leaders, I say to myself, really, when you think about these five dimensions: uncertainty, resilience, team connectivity, pragmatic flexibility, perceptive responsiveness, and talent orientation. You know, these are often, I often get asked the question, these are things that leaders need to do regardless of where they are in the world. And I know you have a point of view on that because now you're more in a uh, locally based or U.S. based uh, organization. So how are you using these? Well, you know, Linda, that's a very good question because when I left the global world, I thought that the applicability would be diminished uh, of this model. However, there are powerful forces that are changing the healthcare business, as you know, and it's rendering both the work and the workforce in a state of transition. I, my world right now is changing dramatically, and I find that the leadership challenges are no less daunting as they were in a global environment. And I quickly discovered that the complexities really don't get any less, particularly in the industry that I'm in, which is in a stage of such turbulence. Um, So I've actually adapted the model, and we've implemented a very similar model to the leadership model that is in our book. And I find that all of these dimensions – you know, the uncertainty, resilience, connecting with teams, the flexibility, being very perceptive and selfless, anticipating changing needs of the customers, talent orientation. I really am a strong believer that a leader should take personal responsibility for developing talent and not leave succession planning, talent management to just HR. They should be the ones tapping into the human potential. So I find that, um, particularly in in times of transformation and change, it's really critical that leaders adapt and manage through this trans-global model. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you're absolutely right. Every time I see this, I see where change has failed. It's because the leader has not taken the time to really develop their people, communicate with their people, coach their people, and, and they've been more about them than they have been around the team that they're trying to develop. And I think it makes people uneasy. No, you're right. The talent uh, wars continue to wage, and particularly finding good leaders who can lead in this environment are very few and far between. And I think what we've done, we've cracked the code to some extent, and we've provided a little bit of um, a, a structure and tools that can help uh, companies assess and develop talent. Yeah, what I love is that we have is, uh, you know, we now have a uh, one-and-a-half-day workshop around this that so we use a, a simulation to help people experience the dimensions in action because the truth of the matter is that these dimensions work together to create uh, a high-performance organization and an inclusive culture. And so this, this experience has been terrific. And then people take our assessment, we give them some coaching, we put them into peer uh, coaching groups so that they can share their experiences as they move into uh, different and unique assignments around the world and even staying in their home country while inheriting perhaps a global team. Which leads me to the next question that I have for you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the Pope was here and he spoke a lot about the need to be inclusive. And, of course, we discovered that inclusion is absolutely a critical factor. If a leader does not have an inclusive mindset, they will not succeed 
in a global arena. And in fact, you took the lead on that chapter, Nazneen, and I remember us talking a lot about the fact that it's not about diversity. Diversity is here, and people in Europe are experiencing that immediately. That, you know, we are diverse, and the demographics around the world are changing rapidly. So it's not a matter of valuing diversity, but it's a matter of are you inclusive. And can you talk about your perspective on that? It was so rich. Sure. You know, I took um, a great deal of pride when I was writing that. It seemed very personal to me as well. And you're absolutely right. Diversity is here. And it's really about the mix of unique individuals. And as you know, the U.S. were cauldron of cultures. We have now become very culturally um, diverse in many forms. And that's what the organizations are made up of. But it's all about inclusion. Inclusion is making that mix work. Uh, and making the mix work is really all about leadership. So I feel, and I have, you know, as we were researching and talking to trans-global leaders, I found that they recognize the significance of diversity and inclusion in a corporate ecosystem. And their relevance of both diversity and inclusion together is very, very important in this highly complex multicultural world. So I found that we should have leaders who can deal with differences on multiple fronts, including diverse customers, diverse employees, suppliers, all stakeholders. And if you recall, Linda, our survey clearly showed that women are as suited as men for global leadership. And there's a whole, as you know, we've dedicated a chapter, as you said. uh, And I found that inclusion isn't necessarily defined as well, in particularly in the global environment. And we distinguish in our chapter how traditional diversity is different from the new order of global diversity, and we talk about that. And we say, you know, it's not just about race, gender, age, and other physical characteristics and demographics. That's all here. It's the new order is all about you know, culture, about inclusion, about respect, about engagement, and that's what's important. And I find inclusion to be where leaders create and foster a work environment which encourages employees to contribute their unique talents. That's what they do well. You know, yeah. they, they're they open to diverse skills. They're open to diverse ideas, perspectives. They respond to diverse customers. That's what inclusion is all about. Yeah, and, you know, it's so interesting with the Internet as it is today. You don't really know who you're talking to, uh, where they are, uh, what you're responding to. So so the, the Internet and social media, in a way, is, is a, the, the universal equalizer for, uh, for folks. But I do see that, if the, you know, it's also about checking your bias at the door because we all hail from different uh, cultural perspectives. And if you can't appreciate or accept how other people do things or how other people think, assuming it's moral, um, you're going to really struggle. I completely agree with you. I think it's really important. To me, this is one ingredient that will make a company uh, succeed in the new world. Yeah, I totally No matter where agree. it is, you know, any part of the world, as a matter of fact. That's kind of the beauty of the model that we have. You know, it is applicable anywhere in the world. I, I agree with you. And I wanted to ask you, you know, you're you're a senior woman, top of, you know, you've been at the top of the house in a number of companies now, and, and you know, you did talk about uh, women, and we spend a lot of time talking about women in leadership in, in the uh, diverse chapter. What is your take, and why do you think still today there are only 17% of the corporations in the, you know, the top-tier corporations are led by women, and women still struggle getting into the senior roles. Now, you ha- now work for uh, two, um, f- have worked for two female CEOs at, at your current corporation, but what do you see is going on there, Nazneen, for the diversity, uh, disparity in pay, et cetera? You know, I'm very optimistic. I think that there is a lot of hope. I think some of the um, the cultural barriers that we see uh, are starting to erode, and I feel that uh, women are starting to gain momentum. You see that in the election uh, uh, frenzy. Uh, there is much more focus on women, and you know we are fortunate that we have some women that have actually made it to the top list uh, of candidates, which is fantastic to see. As a woman, I think that's important. And having, I will tell you, there's a huge difference in working for a woman. 
um, there, I find I've always worked for a male CEO. Uh, you know, this is my seventh CEO. And I'm going to be reporting to uh, a new CEO who starts one one sixteen, and that is a woman as well. And so I feel very blessed because there's a huge difference. I find that the CEO is much more empathetic, you know, is much more personal, very strong at relationship building, and takes uh, personal interest in everybody. And so I find that, you know, we have been very fortunate. Now, 76% of our workforce is women. Uh, and I generally don't see that. You know, I had learned to play golf in my prior uh, life, and I don't have to worry about that anymore because <laughs> I don't have to be in a, in a boardroom where there are only men, uh, which is a great thing. It's a very diverse board, and I find I fit in really well. And the whole um, notion of just a male-dominated world is fading, so I feel very good about that. Yeah, I feel very good about it, too. I don't think we've made the strides quick enough that we, we should have made. But, you know, this leads me to my next question, which I'm going to ask as soon as uh, we come back after break. Um, one of the questions that your new CEO asked you was to do some research on where the world of work is going. And we're going to be talking about that. And you did an extensive job and did a report that she's using. So I think it's just phenomenal that she would have asked that question. I don't know how many CEOs would do that. Stay with us. We're at break. I'm talking to Nazneen Razi, CHRO of HCSC, and we will be back. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, and thanks for being with me. My guest today is Nazneen Razi, the CHRO, Chief Human Resource Officer for uh, HCSC, uh, Healthcare uh, Services Corp. Um, many of you probably have health insurance plans through that organization. It's one of the biggest and the best in the United States. We're talking about what it takes to lead globally and the research that we did for winning with transglobal leadership, which actually has won several awards around the world. We're, we're excited that the book has uh, gotten traction, and we're also excited about the workshops that we've been doing and the assessment that we have to help companies really make the right selection of leaders that are going to be in global roles, whether they stay in their homeland or they go out for global assignments. And Nazneen was talking about the fact that what really happens is that these transglobal leader characteristics we're finding and she's finding are really characteristics that leaders 
must have no matter where they are in today's society. This is how leadership has changed. It's no longer command and control. It's really about being uh, deal, being able to deal with complexity, uncertainty, resilience, being able to build teams anywhere, being able to have influence, having pragmatic flexibility, not being dogmatic and, and operating out of your own bias or your own lens, but having more broad world lens having that perceptive responsiveness or emotional intelligence and really be about your talent, your people, that's really important. We're talking about women in leadership because one of the things we focused on and we found out from our research is that women possessed these characteristics considerably. And so, Nazneen, you have a new CEO coming on board on the 16th, uh, right after the first of the year, and she asked you to do some research about what are the things that you need to be thinking about from a people and organizational perspective for the kind of the new world of work. And I thought it was such a fascinating thing that she would be thinking that so that that your company can be addressing that and be ahead of the curve. And So tell me the story. How did that happen? What's the research you did and what did you find? Sure, Linda. Uh, you know, I will tell you the pace of change in the coming years in healthcare will impact the way we organize our work and determine how um, we operate in the new world of work. And as healthcare reform environment matures, we know that things are going to change. So my CEO asked if we could take a deep dive into the people domain and figure out what are some of the things that we're seeing that would change our way of working. So we called it the 2020 Project. And the 2020 perspective for me was looking out into the future, the workforce landscape on a macro level. By 2020, we found that um, the rate of jobs is expected to recover the jobs lost during the recession. And so we found that the demographics were shifting dramatically. The workforce of 2020, as we all know, will be much more diverse than ever people of color will be making up close to half of the labor market. Intergenerational changes will result in significantly more millennial workers. And Linda talked about it right at the beginning. The baby boomers are going to be retiring, and we see what she, what she called the, the younger generation, and they're calling them the digital natives. They're coming on board who have, since the age of two and three, have been exposed to technology in a different way. So we have to figure out how do we lead in an organization, lead people who are uh, very different. And we also discovered that there will be a clear shortage of what we're calling the STEM-related skills. You know, these are careers in science, technology, and math. And we... We dug deeper, and we also discovered that the companies that we think will succeed are those that are going to do remarkably well in a changing environment who have the same leadership skills that Linda and I talk about in our book, as a matter of fact. You know, we feel that we found that the trends that are changing will require leaders who are inspirational, leaders who can be coaches, um, and the leadership that we found that performance management systems will need to move to a much more of a feedback loop. And we've heard uh, lately that a number of companies are moving away from ratings but going into a much more uh, robust performance management system that looks out into the future and challenges employees to work in a much different way uh, rather than just monitoring performance. This is something... This is where leaders give feedback and coach employees on an ongoing basis. Uh, flexible work arrangements will be very uh, important. And what I found interesting was we did a preferential study, you know, conjoint analysis to see what employees the new generation coming in prefer. And it was interesting that the millennials actually not only valued flexibility, which was no surprise, the surprise was that they valued um, stability, they valued um, savings and retirement benefits. So we were surprised that not only do they want flexibility, but they would also like to see some level of consistency and stability in the workplace. That is very interesting. I, I think that says a lot. Because there's a lot of people saying, well, you know, the people are going to have like 35 different jobs in their career, 
And, you know, what about the sharing economy where people are just going to be out doing their own thing? What, did you did you find anything else around that? Well, you know, it was um, – we were prepared. We were very prepared to start changing our employee-employer pact, you know, our, our value proposition. And so we went down the path uh, and we were – we made the hypothesis that the new generation coming in would require a whole different way of working. And to some extent, that's true. The work environment has to be much more flexible, much more collaborative. You see younger generations sitting at, in the Starbucks and working, you know, and so we expect that that generation is going to want to work differently, but we were surprised that they still cared about building relationships. They still cared about networking uh, and they still cared about the longer-term uh, sustainable models that existed a long time ago. So, you know, you would think that you want to throw all the old stuff out. It's really not that true. Some of the constructs that existed in the past are still valid, Linda. You know, mm. it's still important to be working through a team, and, and people work very much, in some, to some extent, work very much like they did in the old days. Yeah, I think, you know, these studies are so interesting because you can't just wholesale throw out uh, the old stuff. But what it does say to me is that, you know, we did have flexible work. We did have shared jobs. We did have a lot of things in the 80s, 90s, you know, 2000s. But the fact is we didn't institutionalize them as much as we could have and should have. And, you know, many of the things that we talk about of the transglobal leaders are things that, you know, you can pick up a leadership book and people will say, well, these were the things that you, you should be doing. But I think the interesting notion of what you're highlighting here, Nazneen, is that these programs and practices are going to be essential and that you're going to have to do them and you're going to have to honor them, not just give a wink-wink and a nod-nod when a, a woman takes a family leave or a man takes family leave and then penalize them, you know, subtly back on the job. So, I mean, what do you think of that? No, I completely agree with you. I think that um, a lot of the things that we um, would not think much of is now expected. You know, they like the social responsibility elements. They like, they, um, uh, the reward systems have to be very aligned with the behaviors that we expect of them. You know, um, clearly, the, the, in fact, the interesting thing for us is we now have almost five, we have five generations in the workplace today, Linda. You know, this is the first time we've got five generations. And so when we did the conjoint study and we've, you know, in, uh, deployed a number of these um, assessments, we find that the five generations, even though they're different demographically, there's certain things that they require of us that are very similar. You know, they, there is uh, something to be said about creating opportunities Every single individual is now interested in how they can better themselves, the good ones, you know, the high potential people especially. They really are looking for what is it that I can do to grow myself. It's not necessarily I want to grow into a new job that is more lucrative. It's what can I do that challenges me, that is intellectually stimulating to me. That was something that I found very interesting. Yeah, I love that too. I mean, that is a great... That is a great point. People are not just satisfied to have a job and know that they're going to get a paycheck. They're going to, they, they want to know that they can learn. And it's not necessarily about climbing up the corporate ladder, but that they can build skills, they can be challenged, they can do meaningful work, which, you know, we might have tolerated some less meaningful work previously in our career. We're at break. Uh, stay with us. Nazneen, I have a question coming in from the field. It's from uh, Berkeley, California. Um, it's from Lisa, who is looking to have uh, your thoughts on um, the three biggest pieces of advice that you have for leaders. So stay with us. We're talking to Nazneen Razi, and we're talking about the future world of work.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD. The Leadership Connection. Welcome back. We're in our final segment of I Lead the Leadership Connection. With me today is Nazneen Razi, uh, Chief Human Resource Officer for uh, Healthcare Services Corporation. Previously, she was with Jones Lang LaSalle. She supported over seven CEOs of major companies around the world. And we're talking about a study that she did uh, looking at what's really changing in the world of work. And it was fascinating uh, the kinds of things that got debunked that we all think, oh, we have to change everything because of uh, millennials and the diversity and the changing demographics, and not necessarily so. We may have to heighten some of the things that we were doing in the past and make them more central and less peripheral than they were in the past. So, Nazneen, there's a question in from Lisa from Berkeley, and she wants to know from your point of view, what are the three uh, pieces of advice that you have for leaders um, as they're aspiring to lead these in this this sort of new world of work. Well, Linda, you know, as you know, we've done a, an extensive amount of research. So what I'm going to tell you is really from my uh, personal perspective. I I think leaders have to be passionately optimistic. They should not feel unduly burdened or constrained by problems. They should have a burning desire to create a better future. So that's number one. Passionately optimistic. The second I would say is, as a leader, you've got to be doggedly curious about the world. Crave wisdom that compels you to explore, to discover new knowledge. Don't preach, but learn. That would be my second advice. And the third advice, which I believe is also um, has worked for me is recognizing the power of teams. I find that individual genius is fragile in comparison with the collective wisdom of teams. And so I urge every leader to spend majority of their time liberating new ideas through collaboration, uh, be sensitive and be responsive. And, you know, I know you didn't ask for a fourth, but I would say um, being compassionate and humble in dealing with others goes a long way. So that would be my advice. Yeah, I love that, being compassionate for others, liberating new ideas and being humble. And, you know, that is sort of a a different way of looking at leadership is, is that humility factor, which is easy to lose as you climb up the corporate ladder. It, it really is, and it's very important. So, Nazneen, thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it, and it was a great conversation. And if, uh, you know, I'm going to encourage our listeners to get a hold of me or Nazneen. You can contact me. You have all my contact information. If you want to talk more about the transglobal leadership dimensions, if you want to get copies of the assessment, if you're interested in a workshop 
or a discussion around the new world of work. Uh, I do keynotes all over the world and help leaders identify early who are people who have that passion and curiosity for the global world. And some people do. And some people are more interested in their own local environment. And neither is good or bad, but it's not a good idea to put somebody who is more interested in their own neck of the woods in a place where they've got to stretch and be curious to other ways of doing things. That is a recipe for failure, and we have found many organizations who do take people uh, and plop them into other parts of the world who really see this as a career-enhancing situation where they're... um, checking the global box but really weren't interested or curious in, in, in being in that different environment. So I would encourage uh, anybody who's thinking about building that DNA into your organization, which we think is essential, to think about and to be proactive in developing talent around the transglobal leadership dimension. So, Nesneen, thanks so much for being with me and for sharing your perspective. Thank you, Linda, for having me. It was a great pleasure. We will Mine we too. will write I, more together. <laughs> sure. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Okay. And our upcoming shows, we're going to be talking more about studies of the new world of work and uh, the 12 tenets of what I call the 12 tenets of the new workplace, things that we're going to have to consider as we think about how we construct our organizations, how we develop people, how we create these places where people's behavior is aligned to really creating opportunities for themselves and for others, for people who want to be connected to a larger purpose and who want to be compassionate and to work for a compassionate company. I just uh, saw a CNN clip uh, about Amazon, and I think this is such an interesting play. Uh, what is going on at companies like Amazon and out in Silicon Valley that some of them may find themselves struggling because they have created a ruthless environment that's not necessarily uh, going to help them in in the future. So thank you so much for being part of I Lead the Leadership Connection. And uh, I look forward to you being on future shows. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.